Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. I've had the pleasure of talking to plenty of restaurants over the last month or two, and I even have a few coming up, but I haven't really revealed what I'm craving at the moment, and it's Mediterranean, and that's going to be the subject of today's show. First, if you're new, welcome to our community. This is a podcast all about how some of the most interesting and innovative brands out there today are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic, leveraging their experiences and their opinions as a loudspeaker for the brand itself. And today, I'm on with Roti Modern Mediterranean and their head of brand and marketing, Nico Nieto. Now, Nico has been in the restaurant space for quite some time, but he's only been at Roti since late last fall. However, he has a big passion for Mediterranean, just like me, and knows just how to inject the emotion into the brand of enjoying a brand new cuisine. In fact, in the show, he describes it as a real punch in the face, which I thought was a nice way of putting it. But we also talk about how they're capturing customer experience, how they're innovating in the kitchen, but largely how they're taking their guests and using their opinions in every step of the experience, both in the product and in the sitting down and eating itself. Towards the end, we also have some really great advice coming from Nico about both the successes and the things he's learned during his career. So be sure to stay tuned for that, maybe over some hummus and celery, maybe. I'll back away now, give you a couple seconds here to go to your fridge and grab that, and let you hear the interview for yourself. So without further ado, this is from Roti, Nico Nieto. All right, everybody, I am here with Nico Nieto from Roti. Nico, thank you so much for joining the podcast. How you doing? Pretty good, Adam. Uh, It's a little cold today in Chicago, but, you know, really excited to talk to you and uh, to your listeners. I'm excited to have you. I got to start with your journey here and the reason being uh it's a journey that if i were in the restaurant space or in food i might emulate myself not necessarily because i knew a whole lot about what roti was before we started talking but because mediterranean has become a huge part of the cuisine that i just eat all the time uh got a big jar of hummus in my fridge all the time and i know that's sort of the base of everything but uh mediterranean has been cropping up everywhere so I want to know how they got you involved and what brought you to Roti. That's a great question. And just as you and many other people out there, uh, it started with me being a, a fan of Roti. Uh, and it's quite a dream come true to join an organization that I'm really passionate about, the, you know, uh, our product and, uh, and our food and our people and kind of what we do. And uh, uh, being able to be a marketer for an organization that you believe in is, is extremely important for me. Uh, I will say it started like 10 years ago, you know, a little bit over 10 years ago, I moved to Chicago and a coworker at a time invited me to have lunch and we went to this place called Roti. And I was really, really impressed with how uh, fresh and tasty the food was, how different from your regular local um um, uh, offerings uh, they had. They had things like couscous. I didn't even know what couscous was. And they had, you know, uh, right. uh, steak and chicken that was either marinated or seasoned in a different way. And uh, and I thought, oh my God, this is delicious, but it's also brilliant because uh, it also, I really loved the way it made me feel. It was plenty, but it was also healthy and like wholesome. And, you know, you could taste every different ingredient. 
And, and what I thought back then, which I still believe today, is that roti was a great alternative to break out of the norm in, in the food world that was uh, giving people the opportunity to eat healthy, wholesome, well-sourced, responsibly made uh, uh, food, made with a lot of love, uh, and package that uh, by giving people also a punch of flavor in the face. And I thought, man, these guys got it right. And funny enough, uh, about 10 years after that first experience as a, you know, as a customer, and after having many rotis throughout those years, uh, I was lucky enough that I saw that an opportunity open up and one coffee with members of the leadership team led to another coffee and maybe to a meal or two. And here I am. And here you are. And uh, so they've had you on for uh, for a little while now. And I got to ask for, you know, you've been there since uh, late last year. And Correct. what you, the way you phrased that, uh, the, the taste, uh, as a punch in the face. And I agree with that because um, certainly at least when I began like getting into Mediterranean, it was flavors that I were not familiar with necessarily and so uh, everything's kind of a new adventure. And I imagine a lot of consumers out there are experiencing the same trajectory. But now you're the head of the brand and the marketing that Roti does. How do you emulate that punch in the face emotion in the marketing that you currently do? Just generally speaking, like what are the emotions that you try to inject very, very broadly? I understand this is a high level question, but I want to start there because that, that was a visceral description of how you do it. Well, so let's start there. You know, when people talk about food, people will always talk about the way food makes them feel. You were excited. It was bright. It was, uh, sure, it was hot or it was cold, but it was more about, oh, man, that was delicious. That made my day. Um, so it is a visceral reaction. And tapping into people's emotions and making emotional connections is at the forefront of our marketing strategy. We need to emulate the same reactions that people have and experience with the food through our messaging, through our copywriter, through our visual, uh, uh, um, and you know, with our art direction. And the way we do that is we look at uh, our tagline and our purpose, right? We 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 are a brand. Uh, you know, we we describe ourselves as uh, food that loves you back, and it's really love is at the center of what we do. Not only your food is made fresh by hand every day. We are a real restaurant where we're chopping and cutting and slicing and grilling. Uh, you know, and as it was for centuries in the Mediterranean culture and in many other cultures, making food is a labor of love. Through our advertising, through the way we look at um, promoting our food, we make sure that the care and the passion uh, that goes into making every piece of uh, uh, you know our menu taste as good as it can that that care passion and love is at the forefront of our messaging um, number two we make sure that the love for food goes also into how we source our ingredients and how we go and find the best partners and the best suppliers uh, out there to make sure that not only we are giving our customers 
food that loves them back because it's good for them and it's responsibly sourced and, and of course you know it tastes great but also that by doing so we're also doing good for the environment or for the communities that we're in so you know to name a few uh the in your beloved hummus the chickpeas that we used to make it from you know hummus they're organic chickpeas or a, um, or a steak is grass-fed steak which is proven uh scientifically um that is way better for human consumption we have sustainably raised salmon uh at a ridiculously low price because we believe these ingredients need to be accessible uh for everybody um uh you know we don't see a world where our salads or rice plates are going to cost 16 dollars maybe others do but we believe that you know food that loves you back means putting delicious healthy wholesome food in front of as many people as we can and uh so like number well, that's, two that's looking at our, yeah, yeah for sure and you know and 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 uh there is there is concepts for everybody there is concepts that are definitely more expensive and cheaper we just we just price is not at the forefront of our thinking quality and making things that people will love but that are good for them uh is at the forefront and the last you know the last part of like this three-legged stool uh for us is um we uh and this is very relevant for your podcast we believe in authenticity and we'll be in, you know, we don't see ourselves as a food company first. We see ourselves as a hospitality company first. So really figure out ways to connect with what people care about, with what people are talking about, uh, whether they're talking to us about it, whether they're talking, you know, uh, about us or our food or their diets or the interest when we're not there. Really looking to connect with consumers is also at the forefront of our marketing efforts. Why? Because the way we need to sound and the way we need to talk and the, the topics that we need to address, uh, uh, if we want them to come from a place of authenticity, they need to be rooted in actual human behavior uh, uh, and, and, and human insights. So, you know, one of the things that we do and they're really proud of is when we take uh, photos, for instance, of our food, uh, we know that people have a barrier of entry and they're in conflict with these brands that uh, are doing a lot of like retouching and staging of their food photography that you know certain places you go maybe for a burger and you see the burger in the menu and then you see the burger that they give you and it's like completely two completely, completely different things completely uh, different uh, or food that you see in the photos is exactly looks exactly uh the same as the food that you get in your plate, whether you get it uh, through delivery or whether you come to one of our stores. Uh, we do zero retouching. The colors of our couscous and of our veggies and of our carrots and cabbage and sauces, those are the real colors. So they look exactly the same. That's part of being authentic and transparent. Uh, you know, the only difference is that when you actually have it in person, you can taste it and it tastes delicious you cannot taste pictures yet right yeah no of course um yeah the days of the days of smell of vision are uh, behind us and ahead of us but i have noticed this a couple things that you said i've noticed i'll start with that authenticity thing because that's what you said last and obviously that's the focus of the show here so i'm keen to recognize those things in the wild but a lot of within the restaurant industry folks have been uh, well, focusing on that, I, I've had the pleasure of talking to a couple of those brands over the last like two months ish, 
And that's something that it, just from how I'm hearing people say it, it they're like not quite used to saying it. And, and you and I and, and listeners, if you are following marketing in the QSR space, will know that very recently there was a huge ad campaign done by another big chain about a uh, molding piece of food, <laughs> molding burger. And, you know, that was a testament to more authentic ingredients and real colors and no artificial anything. Um, folks, I do ask that brand about that in a future episode. You'll get that later. As regarding the bowl economy, <laughs> and I say that because so many of these uh, chains that I think Roti plays in a similar space to salads and, and, and you know, rice-based bowls and hummus-based bowls and things like that, uh, they were great like a year or two ago. And then I don't know what has happened, but prices have doubled. And I guess it's just because the demand is there. But you're right. And folks, he's right. Like you walk into somewhere and you get a bowl with, you know, some meat and some grain and maybe some leaves or whatever. It's like $16. There was a tweet that blew up 18 months ago that was just like, uh, it was a quote from salads generally, which is, oh, we're $18 now. Like that is nuts to me. So I'm glad that Roti has a focus on that and recognizes that that has maybe gotten a little bit out of hand. I'm sure it'll make the consumers happy. Um, and it's, and it's, it's the consumers, this is a really long intro to this, but consumers is where I want to go next, specifically within QSR and restaurants. Uh, let's first talk about the experience that they have with the food. How do you capture that experience? And how do you encourage people to share that experience? And, and after we talk about that, I'll talk a little bit about brand loyalty and repeat business and all that. But I want to start with that raw experience because there's got to be a lot of happy eaters out there that are loud and I'm sure you want to harness that as much as you can. So how do you do that sort of thing today? So uh, let me actually answer two things uh, uh, kind of to, to, together, Adam. The first one, when you were talking about pricing and like, you know, that crazy tweet or whatnot, you know, I, uh, I believe, uh, and I was just trained like that through my career, I think that pricing is a slippery slope. I, people are really sensitive to pricing and... Uh, as a brand that loves people back, uh, we also need to understand the context in which consumers operate. We are all on the same ray of, you know, race of uh, paying mortgages, paying rent, feed kids, save for college, pay student loans, right? There is mm -hmm. a world where people are willing to come to us every day and pay $18. I agree with you, that is nuts. So a lot of our supply chain sourcing financial operational efforts is not only in, you know, with the mindset of how do we increase our profits and increase our margins? For sure, financial responsibility is part of the equation of every organization that wants to grow. We are a business. However, when we try to address the challenges and the opportunities of margins or profits or pricing or ingredients or sourcing, we have one and only one thing in mind, and is what is the best decision we can make for the customer. So when we're talking about being customer obsessed, that only means one thing for Roti, and it's like, what is the most customer obsessed way to approach that challenge, that opportunity to solve that problem? And I think that makes a difference. You can argue that, you know, going into so, so many high prices 
is maybe not as consumer centric and figure it out what do you need to do from a sourcing and contracting standpoint to be able to help consumers in their everyday lives because that's what loves them back needs um so to to your question in regards to the consumer how do we kind of capture the experience and how do we can kind of stay in touch with what consumers are doing what they're thinking what they're talking about um, we have established uh i am a guy of three so we have established a set of three uh processes and frameworks that we use uh, that we feel really proud and excited about the first one is the foundational piece which is what everybody else is doing people can can reach out to us in many different ways we have a call center um that call center is not someone that you're calling in a different part of the world or in a different part of the country. The call center sits here in our corporate office in Chicago, and it's real people. You call, you talk to real humans right away. There is not a lot of, of like press five for this, press eight for this. You just get through and you talk to someone, and you can uh, have someone having a concierge service that can help you, whether it's with your order, with an issue that you had in one of our restaurants, uh, you know, collecting your feedback for opportunities of things that we can do better. Um, and really the focus of our call center and our customer advocates, as we call them, is to make the consumer day. It's another expression of how we love our consumers back. Um, so we gather feedback that way. Of course, people can, can, can come and, you know, through our website and leave us a comment through our contact us form and we're constantly monitoring that we have an online chat uh, in you know at ordering.roti.com uh, which also allows you to provide feedback and to have one-on-one -on -one communications with us um, uh, but the world has evolved so we also added you know the realities that consumers that are using things like Yelp or, or, or that are using things like TripAdvisor to make choices or where they want to it, they're also providing a lot of feedback and ratings and reviews through those platforms. So our first effort, what I call about like this fundamental uh, 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 piece is uh, our team is looking at every review, at every comment, at every phone call to try to understand what are the opportunities, where were we at our best, but also where were we maybe not at our best and we have opportunities to improve there. That is great. Everybody's doing that, but we also acknowledge that that's not enough. And it's not, not enough for a couple of reasons. The first one is because then the sample tends to skew towards the negative, towards um, a subset of the population that care enough to leave a review or to call you and say, hey, I had a bad experience or this could have been better. And we believe that that is extremely important and we take it really seriously but we want to make sure that we also listen to the consumers that maybe didn't know how to get in touch with us or that didn't have the time or the patience or the will to leave us a comment. You know, the statistics show that only less than 10% of consumers actually care to get in touch with you to let you know opportunities to, to improve. The other 90, the world is moving fast. They're busy. They don't have the time to deal with that. They just move on to, to, um, to something else or to another option. So how do we how do we get in touch with what people are thinking when we're not around them? And you know, and again, coming from a place of authenticity. So we have our social listening tools, and we're looking at hundreds and, and, and thousands of conversations that are happening every day about what, what are people saying about Mediterranean food, but also what are people 
talking about roti, other specific food items, other menu, what are the pictures that are popping on Instagram, uh, that are taken inside of our restaurants, that are taken at people's homes when they're ordering through the, you know, or third-party delivery partners. And we're looking at that data and consolidating it to understand, number one, what are we doing good? What are we doing good that we need to do more of? Because this is clearly uh, organically motivating people to share and to comment and to, you know, shout out roti or for, you know, order food or ingredients. But then, once again, what are people saying that are opportunities for us to improve that they might not not tell us, but they're definitely telling themselves or their community or their friends. So, so that's like the second pillar, you know, or, or social listening, and 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 it goes not only uh, uh, in terms of social channels, but also expands into you know uh, the third-party delivery platforms, the DoorDashes and Uber Eats of the world, because those have become almost social entities uh, themselves. And then there is the third part of this, which is probably. Uh, it's gonna sound um, very simple, uh, but we are really proud and excited about it. Uh, as a hospitality brand, there is nothing uh, that is more at the core of hospitality than when people care. When you're hospitable and you have guests at your house, you offer them coffee or water, you ask, you're really concerned about how can you make their visit really uh, a pleasure and memorable and make things easy for them. And the way, there is no better way to do that than to actually have a human-to-human -human conversation, an authentic dialogue, just like the one that you and I are having today. So we run programs from our training and learning and development to the way we talk to our general managers and every person, not only in our corporate headquarters, but of course in each one of the restaurants. And we encourage them to get you know, out of the line and talk to customers in the store to be able to go and say it in an authentic way, really caring. How is your day going? How can I make this visit better? You know, I always talk about the example of uh, there is things that you can do to make feel people better that are not even necessarily hard to do or more expensive. And I always talk about when I was doing restaurant training, I saw a mom with a couple toddlers. And I knew right away, because we have three kids with my wife, I knew that that mom was going to need napkins. So that was a perfect vehicle. I stepped out of the line. I went to her table with a bunch of napkins. He looked at me like I just had saved her life and that opened the opportunity for me to say, what else can I do for you? How is your day going? Uh, uh, we are, that sits at the core of our hospitality mentality and at the core of Food That Loves You Back. Every member of the organization is equipped to be a customer advocate and to have those genuine conversations with customers and and I'm, I'm telling you you can you will not believe the amount of data that we get out of that both in terms of opportunities to improve but actually ideas when you talk to the customers and they open up they have a million of ideas of things that they would like to see in the menu the, or, 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 or how can we make it easy for them to share with their friends or you know things that they would love to try with their families even additional questions that they have about their food and feedback. So um, again, number one, having the fundamentals right in terms of like opening every channel that we have so consumers can get in touch with us. Number two, uh, being able to look at the places where maybe, you know, 
where actually people are having the conversations like social media and third-party platforms and really looking at what they're saying when we're not there, when we're not looking. And then number three, going back to the basics, we are a people company or hospitality company, just have a human conversation about what you can do better. The combination of those three things is how we kind of capture the experience and how we are constantly looking at ways to do things better. Uh, um, and, you know, they all come from a place of authenticity and from a place of, you know, at Roti, we, we really do care about how can we make your day better. It sounds like quite the wealth of data, insight, and relationship building, which is crucial for anybody. But as I, again, I've had a couple of these conversations over the last month or two, seems like a couple of steps in the right direction when it comes to differentiating the transactional nature of a customer who comes in maybe for a bowl every week and that true loyalty which you need to be able to more readily ensure that repeat business. It's not as drive-by or, or maybe in some cases drive-through in nature. So that's good. It's good to hear all that. There is no shortage of data for us and for everybody else in the industry. And what we like about bringing hospitality as part of the equation and like, you know, authentic human connection is, you know, uh, internally we said we are rooted in data, but we are led by heart. Because uh, uh, at the end, uh, the data is just data if you cannot translate it into a way to authentically connect with, you know, your customers and build deeply emotional connections that are memorable. That's what real loyalty uh, is. And as you're talking about loyalty, you see this, you know, uh, uh, this culture that was created maybe in the last 10, 15 years where loyalty became just a, a, um, a system that you will use to give people coupons and discounts and offers. And although, of course, that's, that's, that's part of it, you want to reward your most loyal customers. I think that that also has the risk of creating a discount culture that actually ended up uh, being really dangerous for any brand. You see brands out there that they cannot sell their product unless there is a coupon. Oh, uh, yeah, 100%, uh, right? especially in brick-and-mortar retail. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's part of what has brought brick-and-mortar down, in my opinion. So uh, we, we do believe, of course, in promotions and in offers and in benefits for, for each one of our customers. But we believe more even though we appreciate that, we appreciate more when we can make deep emotional connections, which actually creates authentic loyalty and advocacy. Uh, and if you think about the brands that you love the most in the world, they're not the ones that are giving you all the coupons and the discounts, but are the ones that you have a true emotional connection with. Right, exactly. Ones that it, it feels like a more valuable purchase because, well, there's more value associated. When we talk about food obviously we got to talk about the kitchen a little bit and i understand there are uh, there are always innovations within the kitchen on the rise and uh, you have a specific program called exploration kitchen can you talk a little bit about that and what it means for the future of what roti brings to the menu well i appreciate the the research adam uh good job on that so you're correct in order to keep up with um the consumer expectations and the expectations of their uh, taste buds and their stomachs uh, is not enough for us uh, to do focus groups or to do these artificial research things that even though they can yield some insights, 
I always had the feeling that the insights are not authentic because you're actually just rewarding people. There is a conflict of interest when you are rewarding people to be part of these research projects, in my opinion. Um, so we decided to do something different. And we decided to, if we really are trying to craft uh, food items and recipes and new interesting um, offerings that connect with people and make him crave and dream about our food, uh, what if we do it in partnership with our consumers? So uh, we did a couple of interesting things. Number one, our food is developed by a chef, a professionally trained chef. Uh, her name is Molly McGrath, and she's our culinary director. Uh, her story is incredible for a couple of things. Uh, number one, less than 9% of any senior culinary director or head chef in the restaurant industry uh, are women. Uh, so we're really proud to believe in equality and to open the opportunity for uh, Molly to occupy that space in our organization. And she has all the passion and all the empathy and all the vision that we need in our business to really connect with customers. Uh, besides having hair, you know, having a real chef cooking real food, uh, instead, you, you know, we decided to break the norm. Some of these big corporations uh, or, or, or bigger chains are creating their food items almost indoors, inside a lab, inside of a test kitchen. And uh, uh, we had the idea of what if our test kitchen is actually uh, one of our restaurants? And what if we, uh, or test subjects are not test subjects, are actually our customers. So we took one of our restaurants in Chicago, our location at Randolph uh, at Morgan, and uh, in the West Loop, uh, in Fulton Market, one of the kind of like more trendy uh, food center areas in the market. And we turned that location into what we call our exploration kitchen. And what exploration kitchen is, is one store that is representative of many other stores that we have in the system where we can create a specific food items and offerings and put them for sale for the consumers of that store. Uh, the exploration kitchen has usually uh, a different menu than every other roti in the country. And we are looking not only at consumer feedback and there is tablets and there is things that allows us to gather what they're thinking about the food. There is, of course, the human interaction that I mentioned, but we're also looking at what happens when we introduce this new recipe, what happens to our results, what happens to our sales, what happens to our food costs, what happens to the operations, how can we be more efficient? What happens when we change the menu board's design and we prioritize different food items? What is that doing to our mix? But that's all happening in front of the consumer. So it's real-time feedback from real consumers in the real world. And uh, we launched that in the last quarter of last year. And so far, the results have been fascinating. And there is a couple of exciting um, things that will be rolling out system-wide later in the year that are actually learnings uh, uh, of things that we develop in conjunction with our customers uh, in the exploration kitchen every day. Well, that's fantastic to know that you're partnering directly with consumers to uh, not only talk about the experience of eating at a roti, but 
developing what gets eaten at the roti. Uh, that's wonderful. I'd like to uh, close with just some advice. And I do this on every show, but uh, a lot of people who listen to this show, in fact, almost all of them, are uh, people in marketing or students of marketing, generally folks who are at brands who are looking to emulate perhaps a path like yours. Maybe there's something that they're passionate about and maybe it's not Mediterranean food, maybe it's something else. But generally speaking, they are looking to figure out ways in which to build more authentic brands, more direct relationships, more emotive uh, ways to market generally. Now, you seem to have done a lot of this, like I said a little bit earlier, a lot of steps in the right direction happening here, elucidated by your answers here so far. A lot, so of curious. Too. a lot of mistakes too. Uh, well, a, a lot of mistakes. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of mistakes, and maybe that's part of the advice here. I would just like to know what you would tell those folks who are looking to build more authentic brands based on your experience. Maybe the highs and the lows. For sure, uh, you know that's a loaded question. But I'm just gonna, as a guy that thinks of three, uh, I'm I'm going to give uh, kind of three bullet points to your question. The first one is. Don't think like a marketer, think like a consumer. Trust your God, like um, talk to your friends and your families, you know, be informal, like really think like if you were a consumer of that brand, uh, if your mom, your dad, or your kids or your neighbors were consumers of that brand, what will they like? What will they engage with? What type of things uh, uh, will they like to see or to consume or to buy? It start there. Then you need to use data and you know other things at scale to really inform a point of view. But I think you should have a point of view uh, and trust your God and come to the table with a point of view or what you think maybe is right. Then use the research and everything you need to to prove that. So that's first. You know, think think like a consumer. Don't think like a marketer. The second one is do your homework. I believe that in whatever field you are. Uh, you you gotta commit to do the homework to inform yourself as much as you can about the industry, about your competitors, about consumers, about everything that is happening in the world. And uh, uh, that was a lesson that I learned from a mentor many years ago. So I do my homework. If I'm working for Roti, I'm following every other Mediterranean brand, not only in the US, but globally. I'm subscribing to the newsletter. I'm ordering their food. For delivery i'm going to those locations i'm also looking at trends reports and i'm also looking at financial quarterly earnings and i'm looking you know i have uh new updates and and, and, and feed set up for me to have as much information as i can have about what's going on uh that is extremely important don't work in a vacuum there is more data than ever today that is really you know available for you do the homework commit to it go deep uh, uh that makes a huge difference and um, and the last one is don't be afraid of of making mistakes. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know piggyback on 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 what you said, Adam. Um, I have learned through my career, and I think here at Roti we keep you know kind of moving in that direction and trying to 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 really commit to the culture of like we don't want to be reckless. We don't want to be you know. We have a responsibility of being disciplined and being rigorous when we are feeding people. However, we also, and you know, we take that very seriously. However, we also need to be nimble and fast and not afraid of failing. We are not looking at failure with passion of like, oh my God, I'm gonna fail tomorrow. But we're also not afraid of when that happens, really digging deep into it 
and make sure that two things happen. Number one, that we learn from it. And number two, that we don't make the same mistake twice. So uh, that will be my advice, you know, to summarize it. First one, be authentic. Think not as a marketer, but think like a customer. Uh, number two, do the homework, do the research, uh, get yourself immersed in everything about your brand and around your brand. Uh, even if it's, you know, for us, we think about hospitality, maybe there is something uh, on hospitality in hotels and in uh, other industry that can inform a point of view. So do the homework. And number three, don't be afraid of failure. Uh, you don't have to pursue failure or, or, or mistakes, but don't be afraid of it. Um, and, and, uh, and I think if you implement those three things, you know, amongst many others, those three things are going to help you uh, becoming a, a better marketer and actually just a better professional, uh, you know, uh, independently of what industry and what field uh, you are. Well, thank you. That That's de- that's detailed uh, advice. And I'm glad that you nod to both the successes you've had to date as well as the things that you've learned as well. I, I mentioned that some of the listeners here are, are merely students of marketing, but I, you know, rather than being at a brand, but you know, maybe that's Maybe that's too narrow. I think generally we are all students of the craft, and so it's good to know some of the things that you have learned as well as some of the things that you've put into practice at Roti. So for everything that you have shared on the show today, uh, Nico, thank you so much for coming on. No, Adam, thank you so much. Um, as a student of the craft, what you're doing with the podcast for our industry, for both the students or CMOs alike, is extremely powerful. You should feel pretty proud of what you're doing, and then... Uh, can't wait to listen to many more uh, guests on your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to Nico Nieto for joining the podcast today. You know, I was checking out that Innovation Kitchen. Saw you guys have a spicy steak bowl coming out. Whew, can't wait to try that one. If you like this show, you can love Mediterranean, you can love some other cuisine. Regardless, if you like authentic influence, here's how you can help me out. Just follow us on LinkedIn. We got a LinkedIn page, Authentic Influence Podcast, intuitively enough. And that's where I put every show. It's where clips from the show will go. It's where other announcements about upcoming live events or in-person interview opportunities. Everything related to the show goes there. So follow that. That's kind of like our content hub. And we're pretty LinkedIn heavy. Of course, you can also stay subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google, what have you. And if you feel so inclined, leave that rating and review. It's just a good public show of support. Otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn, Adam Connor. If you don't want to do it publicly, do it privately. Connect with me. Message me. Let me know what you're thinking. I've had the pleasure of having a couple of comments come to me over the last few weeks, and so it's really nice when I get those messages. It lets me know that you're listening and, to a certain extent, that you care as well. I'll be back again on Monday, not with a brand, but with an agency. I've done a few of these. And Monday will be no different. I'm on with Mechanism and their co-founder and CEO, Jason Harris. So stay tuned for that. Until then, and for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.